0: Son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. All right, I hope you have your Bible open to Romans 5 as we spend our time together. I want to talk a little bit about the grace of God. I don't think I'm going to get any argument if I mention to you that the grace of God is very, very, very wide. Um, It encompasses the entire universe. Uh, You can't go any place on this planet. You can't visit any country, any city. You can't uh, visit with any person, any culture, any tribe, uh, but that the grace of God is able and is there. You You cannot meet a person, it doesn't matter what their race is, and it doesn't matter what language they speak, it doesn't matter what their economic uh, station might be, it doesn't matter the path of life that they've taken, it doesn't matter the, the state of their illness. Whoever they are, the grace of God is wide enough to embrace them. The grace of God is wide enough to embrace us with all of our faults, with all of our problems. There's nothing that will ever happen in your life but that the grace of God is able to redeem that situation for the glory of the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. The grace of God is just that wide. And the marvelous thing about this grace is it's just wide enough to reach you. And you're not on the outer fringes of God's grace because when his grace reaches you, It keeps on going and growing and going so that the matchless, infinite grace of God is indescribably wide. But this morning, I would like for us also to consider that the grace of God is incredibly deep. The grace of God is incredibly deep, so deep that it can reach down into the lowest, lowest depths, The grace of God is so deep that um, no matter how uh, low your life has become, how basic your trouble is, God's grace is still going. It's still just that deep. You see, in the life of the believer or in, in human life, really, we have a fundamental flaw. We have a fundamental problem. And that problem is called sin, our rebellion against God, our indifference toward God. Sin is at the foundation of who we are and how we live our lives. And so that, that sin is there present as a foundational problem of life. Now, understand there are times when you should not bring that up, okay? Mostly when I sin, but you, it, there, there are times when it's kind of inappropriate. If someone comes to you and they say, you know, I've just been to the doctor, he is... He's told me I have cancer. That is not the time to say, well, you know, your fundamental problem is sin and alienation from God and that you just need faith. Bad, very bad. <laughs> Won't do it. <laughs> but how we respond in the situation, how we respond in the, in, in the bad news, how we respond in the challenge, that is so distorted and twisted by our sinful rebellion and our alienation from God. See, sin doesn't cause everything that happens. It causes a lot of what happens, but our response to what happens is always polluted by that old sin nature that's down deep within us. There is a fundamental problem with us, and it is called sin. It happens when we rebel against God. That's why Paul said, well, let's go back to Adam. Let's go back to the very beginning of the human race. God created the man and the woman. He created an entire human race, and he set them in the garden. He provided for them perfectly. They had everything going for them, everything in the universe, all their environment, the entirety of society. All all of it was, you know, pushing them toward God. Everything about their experience was pushing them to glorify God. That's why they had been created. But something went drastically wrong. The man and the woman refused God's commandment. Before there was a written law, there was a relationship, and they violated that relationship. Before there was a religious list of things of do's and don'ts, there was a communion with the Father in the cool of the day in the garden, and they broke that relationship. And in breaking that relationship, they have passed that on to the entirety of the human race ever since. Now, here is the point where theologians will start talking about original sin, and what is original sin, and how does the sin come in, and what transmits the sin. And, and, you know, there'll be a lot of theological discussion. If that's that's what you're into, let's get together and let's talk about it. I, I enjoy thinking about those things as well. But here is at least what original sin means. It means at the point of our origin, we are sin-bound. We are bound to sin. Think about a little baby in the crib, little tiny baby in the crib, cute and adorable. Mine were. (laughs) Both of them. A little baby in the crib. How many people are in this little baby's universe? One. That's the only person they know is me. Now, they know that there's a deep voice in their life and there's a high voice in their life. <laughs> 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 and so, they know there's a mama and a daddy. Okay. <laughs> but the, but the, the point is, as a human being, you come into the world and the only person you know is you. You're, you're just not physically able to know more than that. You, you can't experience more than that. Yeah. Oh, I, they, 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 say they know mommy and daddy. That's true. But at the center of their universe is, is, is baby. Because what are we learning? We're learning whether or not I can trust the big people, whether I can trust those voices. Will they feed me? Will they clothe me? Will they keep me warm? Will they keep me happy? Will they take me away from pain? One of the first lessons we learn in life is if I yell and scream loud enough, people will give me my way. Think about it. The next time you're yelling and screaming, you're just going back to the crib. <laughs> it's because we are born with this just finite, narrow, focused view upon ourselves, and, and we have to be taught to get away from that. That's why you have to teach little children, you have to teach preschoolers how to share. Do you know how difficult it is to learn to share from a, pre- a, a preschooler's point of view? You do know that sharing looks exactly like stealing. <laughs> Give that to Johnny. Share. What do you mean share? <laughs> we have to learn these things. And so, just, just coming into the world, we are set to go towards ourselves, and we hardly ever get away from that. Very few people you know are completely divorced from that self-centered perspective on the universe. Not only that, we live in a, in a world that's polluted by sin, You may have noticed this. There's sin all around us. It's pervaded as goodness and as normal and as desirable. Uh, Things that the Bible clearly teaches are immoral. Our world teaches are are, are commendable and are things that you ought to embrace in your life and rejoice and celebrate. And the Bible says, no, they are going to lead you to death. And so, our world is filled with the pollution of sin. Folks, if you breathe polluted air, you get polluted lungs, and your body is polluted by it. And our lives are polluted by the nonsensical sin of the world around us. It's inescapable. And then we are led by our appetites and our desires. You know, the things that we want draw us along. You know, the people on Madison Avenue, they, they, they make their living off knowing this. They say, what, what do people want? Let's give it to them. We'll just draw them in to buy the product, whatever it is. The worst of that are the people who write beer commercials. You know that, don't you? I mean, I don't study beer commercials, but I've been told that, <laughs> that you know, what, what does a beer commercial look like? It's a bunch of guys together doing guy things. And We're friends, and we're together, and we're having fellowship. You know why that sells beer? Because men are desperately hungry for fellowship, and we don't know how to do it. We just don't know how to do it. And so we go to a bar where everybody knows our name and we drink enough where we forget about it. And that's how we sell alcohol. We appeal to to a need, and we are drawn to that. And we forget about the, the, the destructive nature of our actions as long as some appetite that I have is being fed. I'll leave it to your imagination to fill in the list of the other appetites and how they lead us along in life rather than the will of God. And so we are living in a world of sin. We are tainted by sin. We invariably sin. Sin is at the very foundation of our birth, of our nature. We are by nature children of wrath. And that's what's coming to us. And Paul says that's the result of Adam's sin. You know, the old saying, in Adam's fall we sinned all. There's a lot of truth to that that sin has polluted and distorted our lives because of Adam's sin. Well, Paul starts out in verse 12. He says there, I'm not going to read all the verses. Don't panic, folks. All right. Look, I'm not afraid of you. I am not afraid of you. I could keep you here till one o'clock. But the nursery workers, I'm afraid of. Okay. So, we'll, we'll be out of here in plenty of time. So, Paul says, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, for sin indeed was in the world before the law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Death was there because of the sin of Adam. And we have repeated that process. As, as Paul says, not the particular sin. And, and the point he's making is, look, Adam violated a specific commandment, don't eat of this tree. That's, that's the commandment Adam violated. I haven't violated that, that, that commandment. You know, I haven't eaten of the tree of, of, the, of knowledge of good and evil. It's not here. <laughs> you know, but I have done the same sin in its essence. Here, think about what that sin is. And, and to do that, I'm, I'm just going to flip back. I'll, I'll read it for you. Go to it if you want. This is Genesis 3. And uh, I'm going to pick it up in verse 6. This, this is where the serpent is talking to Eve, and they're, they're having this, this, this back and forth. And Eve now is, is at the critical moment. She's going to make the decision, do I obey God or do I go some other direction? And here's how the Bible describes it. This is Genesis 3:6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took it, she ate it. She took, she ate. Why? Because it looked good for food. She said, this is, this is what will sustain me. This is, this is a good thing in my estimation. What should have been her food, her relationship with God, what should have been the only good thing in her life? The presence of God. What should she have said to that temptation that said, this really is good for food? The answer is, we don't live by bread. We live by the Word of God. You see, everything that she was designed to be by God's uh, designation, uh, she, she rejected, and she said, I'm going to feed myself. See, it's a whole question of what feeds you? What gives you your strength? What do you look for to gain resources in life? And some of you have got to answer, well, I'm looking for money or I'm looking for power. I'm looking for prestige. I'm looking for relationships. I'm looking for something in the world to feed my soul. And that's why you're starving to death. You're repeating the sin of Adam and Eve. Because the things that should have fed you, the presence of God, the Word of God, the glory of God, you are not partaking of these things. And if you are, it's dribbles and drabs. Then what else it says? She saw that it was was good for food, but it was a delight for the eyes. It made her happy. It it pleased her. And I've got to ask you, what makes you happy? What delights your life? What makes you feel fulfilled? What she should have said is, my delight is in the Lord. What she should have said is, my delight is in the holiness and the beauty of who God is. What she should have said is, my delight is being found in a relationship with my Father, my Creator. But instead she said, my delight is in an apple. Look, I know it wasn't an apple, but Augustine said that that caused guilt, so I'm, I'm using an apple. She should have said, my delight is in God. My delight is the glory of God. And she found her delight in somewhere else. Now, what what brings you pleasure? What are you looking for to please your your eyes? What, What are you looking for to bring you satisfaction in your life? Now, that thing you dream about said, if only I had fill in the blank. And if the blank isn't filled in, the glory of God in my life day by day in a visible, tangible way. You know, any other answer is the nature of sin. And the Scripture says, unable to make her wise. So, you have to ask yourself, what what guides you in your life? What tells you what to do in your life? Most of us are listening to uh, things called peer group pressure, right? That's just, we want to be accepted. I want people to like me. I want to fit in. I want to fit in, but I don't want to be noticed to the point where they make fun of me. I mean, it's, it's a really difficult task, and that's why you're frustrated with it. But I, I, I think my life could be guided. Maybe it's by a noble cause. Maybe it's by a career goal. Maybe it's by some attainment, some achievement, whatever it is. If it is not the glory of God and attaining to a a life of obedience to Him and and, and in concert with His design for us, you're you're looking for the wrong things to guide your life. So when Eve asked herself, what feeds me, what delights me, what guides me? She gave the wrong answer. She said, it's this apple core, Baltimore. Squirrel. (laughs) Squirrel. I don't know why, that just occurred to me, and it just came out. You got to listen. But this sin is at the heart, at the foundation of of our existence. And it's not why everything happens that happens, because the universe is filled with a lot of quirky things. But it's at the heart of a lot of why we can't cope, because why we can't get through. We're looking for the wrong things in our life. And that's because of Adam's fall. That's Adam introduced that. We just walk along right along with him. But uh, look at, we're back to Romans uh, chapter 5, eventually. And uh, uh, in, in verse uh, 15, he says, But the free gift is not like the trespass. And and if you read these verses, we won't take time to read them again, Uh, we read them earlier, but as as you read these verses, what you find is Paul's setting up a parallel. He's saying, look at what happened in Adam, look what happened in Jesus. In Adam, you have someone who rebelled against God, was disobedient toward God, and as a result, death enters into the world. And what we have done is, we have decided, I want to be just like Adam. And so, we step into this world and this life of sin, invariably, we sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we step into this this life of sin and we say, I want to be like Adam. And when we get to the end of the road and there is death for us, we have earned the end of the road. We've earned the death. And so the, the road of Adam is from his sin, we participate in the sin, and then we die because we deserve it. But in Jesus Christ, oh, Jesus Christ. When he went to the cross, he was perfectly obedient. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he despised the shame because he knew who you were and he knew the depths of your your sin and the depths of your problem. Because he knew everything about you, he went to the cross and died in your place. He did not look towards himself, but his delight was in doing the will of his Father. His sustenance was to do the will of his Father. His guide was to do the will of his Father. And so when he got to the cross, it was a natural result of who he was fully man but the son of God and he comes to the cross and he dies in our place and as a result of that is life and we don't participate in that we would never participate in that except God in his grace and his love reach down and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he takes hold of our hearts and he convinces us of our sin and he shows us his love on the cross in Jesus Christ and he sets our eyes. Finally, we see something other than ourselves, other than the world. We see Jesus Christ and that draws us up and out of where we are to where we ought to be. We don't put ourselves into following Christ. God, by his grace, puts us into Christ. And as we live, it is Christ living in us. And so as we go through life, we falter on one side or the other. But when we get to the end of it, the Father looks at us and he doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, clothed upon us. And when we get to that point, when we get to that point and we enter into life, everlasting, eternal life, we don't deserve it. Not like the trespass is the free gift. The trespass leads us to what we deserve, but the free gift of God in Jesus Christ leads us to what we don't deserve, and that is everlasting life to the glory of the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. The free gift is not like the trespass. So Paul says that's the way God set it up, and you've got this choice now. You've got this choice to participate in Adam, Or to have the Holy Spirit put you into Christ. Still a struggle, still going on. But a life in which God is conforming us to the image of his dear son, chapter 8 of Romans. And he is sanctifying our lives. That will be chapter 7 when we get to it. Uh, Chapter 6. We're almost there. We'll be there next week. Chapter 6. Let's just round off the scripture. So, um, well, verse 20 now, the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Here's what Paul means. He says, what the law does, the law shows us our sin. We're sinning anyway. That, that was his whole point. He said, before the law between Adam and Moses, people were sinning anyway. They weren't violating a written commandment, but they were violating the righteousness of God and the holiness of God. But the law came in to show us that. Oh, the grace of God, because the, a friend who loves you will always tell you the truth, and God loves us too much to gloss over the truth and let us live the lie. And so he gave us the law. He gave us his commandments so that we could see our sin. And as we see our sin, then we realize, there's more here than I thought. There's more sin than I thought. You ever had that experience? You're going through life, you think you're doing pretty good, and then you, you're, you're reading the Scripture, the Holy Spirit opens up your eyes, and you realize, you know, there's a part of my life I never quite got right because I never gave it over, and I need to do that. You ever have, have that happen? I have. So the law was given so that we would know about our sin, and so in, in a sense, the law causes sin to increase, and that's why this, this great phrase, grace abounded all the more, all the more grace. You never exhaust the depth of God's grace. You never exhaust how much he can forgive and reclaim and reshape and remold. Oh, the depth of God's grace toward us. I can testify to you of the depth of the grace of God. When you get in a pit, it's so far down, up is just a theory, and God's grace is there anyway. When things are so dark that you wish you were blind because then at least you'd see something by comparison, God's grace is still there. When friends have turned on you, when you've been abandoned and betrayed, God's grace is deeper still, deeper than you could ever imagine. And so this morning what I'd like to invite you to do is to let the deep, deep grace of God fill your life, unafraid to go down to the very depths of who you are and find grace working there. Try this this week. At some point, put it on your calendar, Wednesday, 8.30 a.m. Ask yourself, what feeds me? What feeds me? Not what should feed me, because you know that answer, but what does feed you? What is it that that gives you energy? It might be a destructive energy. It might be bitterness. It might be a hatred. It, it, It might be a resentment. It might be a brokenness from the childhood. It, 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 whatever it is that, that just funnels into your life and generates the things that come out and, and, and cause you to do the things you do, what is it that's feeding your life? And then understand that the grace of God will enable you to feed off his glory and feed off his goodness and his righteousness. Ask yourself, what delights me? You know, when I have so-called free time, when, when I have a choice, where do I go? What do I do? What is it that fulfills me? What am I seeking in life? And you might discover that the things you're looking for and the things you're seeking really will never satisfy you, but the grace of God will. And I want you to ask yourself, what guides me? What do I take for wisdom? To whom do I listen? What do, what do I take as, as, as sort of the, the, the truth that should Shape my life. You'll probably find out it's a lot of pablum that the world puts on display, and it's a, it's a lot of nonsense that everybody accepts. But let God and his grace be your guide. You see, we were created for the glory of God, and at the very foundation, we are flawed because of sin. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He mended the flaw. He put us where we ought to be, and he's at work by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to shape us and mold us so that we can give God the glory. Folks, that's why I'm telling you this morning the grace of God is deeper than you ever knew. And when you come to find out how deep it is, it's deeper than that. It just keeps getting deeper. So try that. See the deep grace of God in your life for his glory. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son who has brought us out of darkness into light, out of a kingdom dominated by self into the kingdom that is ruled from heaven. Father, thank you for that grace that has turned us around and opened our eyes. Thank you for grace that enables us today to live for you. Father, thank you for all that you are and all that you are doing to make us what we ought to be. But, Father, give us the courage of grace to rely upon you and to, uh, Father, to serve you, to glorify you, that in all that we say, all that we do, you would be preeminent through it all. Thank you for your deep, deep grace in Jesus' name. Amen.